everyone. Welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Hemel Javeri alongside Evan Thorpe and Steven Ruiz. We have a lot to talk about today. First, we're going to get into uh, James Wiseman and what's going on with him and the NCAA. We're going to hit the Tua situation as well. Steven has a beef of the week for us. That's right. That promises to be entertaining. And we've got a worst fan of the week. Worst fans, plural, of the week. Plus, a personal beef. We're going to talk about the NHL and spitting. So let's kick it off with uh, James Wiseman first. I want first some background onto the story, which is a little bit complicated. Um, So, Evan, can you take us through what happened with him before? And then we will hit on the fine and the suspension. Yeah, so James Wiseman came into this year the top-rated freshman basketball player in the country. But when he was younger, uh, around high school years, his family accepted money from head coach Penny Hardaway, which was roughly $11,500. Problem is, at the time, Penny Hardaway was considered a booster for Memphis, so he is not supposed to have contact with a potential recruit for the school, but now he's the head coach. So the NCAA, initially to start the year, were planning to suspend him, but Memphis still played him, so the NCAA basically was like, why are you playing a guy that we are planning to suspend? Mm -hmm. Uh, And... James countered to sue the NCAA, but he dropped it. And recently the NCAA suspended him 12 games and made him, he must donate $11,500 to a charity of his choice. Don't know where a college player is going to get $11,500 from his pocket if he can't work or he can't use his name to profit off of it. So I don't know how they came up with this, but that's the rule. So there's a lot happening here, a lot of different levels of what I consider um, ex- that exemplifies how the NCAA system is basically a catch-22. There's really no way for players to win. So the money that James Wiseman got was technically for his mother for moving expenses, and Penny Hardaway was a family friend at the time, right? Like he, I understand, was in his professional capacity a booster, but he was a friend of the family as well. So they don't take that into account at all. And it's weird because, like, I don't want to get racial, but it always seems like it's a black person that always gets dealt with this needed money situation, and they never look at it like, what is his family's circumstances right now? Like, we don't know what his mom makes or what happened. Like, if she needed money... I think the NCAA should have looked into this and be like, you know what? We have to be okay with this. Well, it's not even that. The NCAA does not care about context at all. They care about the letter of the law, which is what people find so extremely frustrating about this because a lot of times players are are getting dinged for, like, accepting free food because they're hungry. And you have to ask, like, who does the NCAA think they're doing this for? Like, who is benefiting from them enforcing these rules? It's not the fans because we want to watch the guy that's supposed to go number one in the draft. We wanted to watch him play basketball. And that's the only way you're going to get people to watch college basketball during the regular season before things start to matter in March. And then it's not helping your own business interests. You're not making money. If he plays, then you make money off of more people watch, more people pay attention and you make more money. So I don't know who they're helping. I guess they think this is 
I, I don't know, they're protecting their own morals or whatever, but no one cares. Everyone is for these players getting paid. If they take these benefits, no one no one cares. I don't think anyone cares except for rivals of the schools that they go to. To add to your point of who this is benefiting, it is definitely not benefiting the student-athletes, right? It is definitely not benefiting them. The NCAA is all about the integrity of the system, so I think that's what they think that they're preserving, which is a farce. And when people come up, when people defend the NCAA, they talk about the purity of college athletics and they don't want the sport to be corrupt and all this other stuff. Those are people who are like uh, boosters from the schools. Uh, right. You know, the, the, there's they don't have the best interest of the student at heart. I just think that the NCAA is stupid because you think about the number one overall prospect. All right. Zion came in last year, I think, second. And you saw how much buzz he generated, not only for – Duke, but for games, if this, if Wiseman is as good as, as they say, he could have easily been the next Zion for this year. You create buzz around Memphis as a program. Now he's suspended twelve games. That could likely cost him their season. Now Memphis wouldn't be in the in the big dance at the end of the year. People are not going to be interested in Memphis when coming into the season. A lot of people were talking about Memphis. Right. Right, and you get like I feel like college basketball is better when you have those stories, like a a mid major team. Well. Memphis is a little higher than a mid-major, but a team that's not in one of these power conferences that is, like, winning a bunch of their games and maybe going undefeated and everyone's wondering if they're for real or not, like we've seen with Gonzaga before. And plus, when you have a big man, that's rare, too. Like, it's been a long time since we've had a big man dominate college basketball. It's probably been Blake Griffin, maybe. I would say Jaleel Okafor and that Duke team. But, but I don't think he dominated in yeah. the way we expect. Greg Oden, probably. Yeah, Greg Oden is probably the last one. I think he was right before Blake Griffin but you, you get these highlight plays and it doesn't look like normal college basketball like for these mid-major teams so it get generates interest and you get more people watching games they wouldn't or, ordinarily watch like you're going to watch Duke and Michigan State and teams like that no matter what but this is a chance to get Memphis some some attention and that's rare and that's the first time since Derrick Rose was on a team that people are actually talking about Memphis as a college basketball team right well, there's also just the flat-out absurdity of the fact that they, the NCAA has mandated that the $11,500 be donated to charity. Like, like they think that that somehow makes it okay. Like, we're not taking the money, but we want you to, to give it to a charity that you think is good. I think it makes it look worse because yeah. you're saying, like, you did something that violates our principles. You're like, you're, this is against amateurism. And that's what we want to protect. But at the same time, they are saying like, oh, but we also want you to like still get us TV ratings and advertising money. But we're going to make you pay a fine. And that's what it is. They could say it's something else. It's a fine because this is the same as an NFL fine. When a player gets fined in the NFL, yes, they are paying the league, but the league puts it towards their their charity fund. So it's the same thing. It's, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Um, yeah, the entire situation, I think, just highlights how absurd the NCAA system is and there is a good morning win out on for the win today that Andy Nesbitt wrote about why any player would join the NCAA when you could just go straight to um, the D-League. So. Yeah, overseas, D-League. Like, there are more options now for players to go through. You look at LaMelo Ball. He went overseas. Uh, I forgot. There's another uh, former high school student player who went over and Emmanuel got a million-dollar endorsement so it's like they're getting paid playing basketball just like these college students are. Yeah, and they're just, still in the spotlight like Lamella ball is still in the spotlight yeah so there's lots of different options um but again i think this is a good segue for the next topic that we want to talk about which is tua uh tua got injured 
last week? Yeah, Saturday. Last Saturday, devastating hip injury. I think it, it is fair to describe it that way. Um, and again, this throws Tua's entire future, I don't want to say into doubt, but he's a highly touted prospect. He was expected to have a long career in the NFL. And uh, as can happen with college athletics, uh, one injury can change the entire course uh, of your professional career and affect your earning power for the rest of your life. And this is why it's hard to like shame a guy like Wiseman for taking money when he can because you never know when this is going to end and you're not going to be able to make money off of your athletic gifts anymore. I don't think the situation is that dire for Tua. I think he'll come he'll still get drafted highly. He won't get as he won't get drafted as highly as he was before, I don't think. Because there were questions about his ability to stay healthy, and this is obviously not going to help that. Mm -hmm. And he was kind, he's kind of a weird player. Like his playing style is kind of weird. Like it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing. Like it doesn't look like other quarterbacks look. So him getting hurt, and I feel like I'm not a doctor, but your hip is like key to your mobility. Like it might make him look even stranger when he when he plays i think he'll be back in time to do some pre-snap or pre-draft workouts and he really needs to because there's going to be questions yeah i think uh the biggest thing is he people were saying like teams were tanking for tua he's not going to be the first quarterback selected in this year's draft i don't think i don't think he was anyway even if he stayed healthy but he was likely top three right i mean you put him, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, those are like the three guys that people mm -hmm. were projecting to be the first overall quarterback. Well, first quarterback drafted. But now, like, late first round, second round pick looking like. And that's Wait, what. you think he drops all the way to the second round? Potentially, I think so. I don't. I think he's still top 10. I think Herbert probably jumps him now because of the durability thing, but he just has too much, like, good production. And we've seen quarterbacks get hurt before and still go high, like Sam Bradford. Hurt his shoulder, which is probably worse for a quarterback because it was his throwing shoulder, and he still went number one. Maybe it's different because there's more guys up for that number one, that QB one th uh, role, but I still think he goes in the first round. Some team's going to be desperate for a quarterback. It might be the Bears. Mm, okay. Well, that's the NFL expert, so. <laughs> I am familiar with Tua also because of uh, – the extreme nature of his family dynamics, right? <laughs> that's one way to put it. I, uh, that's the most diplomatic way that I think I can put it. But it, it feels very, the whole situation feels very sad to me because this is a player whose entire family has been like devoted to his success. Like everything about his life has been about football. And to the point where, like, his dad took away his car keys so that he couldn't drive to get fast food or something like that, right? He does other stuff too. I mean, yeah, they I know. Move. I, to Alabama for this. His brother's at Alabama now. I mean, I I, I kind of think the pressure's off of him now because I feel like his dad put a lot of pressure on him. Mm -hmm. Now it's just like, you know what, I'm injured. Everybody's not looking at me as, like, this guy who has to prove expectations. Like, now I can kind of go behind the spotlight and just live. That's an interesting spin. I don't know if I buy that. I feel like there's more pressure to prove yourself after an injury. But everybody's doubting you probably. Yeah, I, I don't know how that works. I I think the injury will now become the story, whereas the story might have been his dad yeah. beforehand. Because his dad is has he's not like LeVar Ball, but he has that 
I don't know, he could become that he, kind of guy. He's not like a promoter like LeVar Ball is, but he might be even more like controlling over Tua's career. Like this is a guy that made Tua start throwing with his left hand. Like Tua is right-handed. Yeah. And he throws with his left hand. Why does he throw with his left hand? Because his dad is left-handed and he didn't want to be the only left-hander in the family. Like that's <laughs> that's crazy. That's excessive. That's I mean, it honestly is so shocking and disturbing to me, but I'm going to let that slide for now. Um, All right. We have a couple of things that we need to get into. So we're going to hit a couple of them pretty quickly. Let's talk about beef of the week, uh, Stephen. Oh, we got a good one because Stephen A. Smith is involved. And anytime Stephen A. Smith is involved, it's a good beef because he takes himself like so seriously. Stephen A. Smith thinks he's like a part of the news. (laughs) He does. And he's not like the KD thing. I remember he was saying, like, I'm going to make your life a living hell or something along those lines. It never happened, obviously. But now he's going after Eric Reed because Stephen A. Smith was critical of Colin Kaepernick about how he wanted to move the workout or how he did move the workout. And Stephen A. Smith basically said, like, you don't get to pick and choose all this. You're getting an opportunity from the NFL. You should appreciate it. And then Eric Reed went on Twitter and attacked him. He brought up Malcolm X and he quoted him. He said, if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing. And he he added Stephen A. Smith. And then Stephen A. Smith came back and was just <laughs> it's a 367 word Instagram post. I'm not going to get hit all the points, but it was basically like. I don't even he was going at Eric Reed for tweeting before the game he was playing. He was saying that he's been on Kaepernick's side and he's religiously called out the NFL for blackballing Kaepernick. And he says, you have no idea the kind of work that me and Jay-Z have done behind the scenes, which. Whoa. Which is a lot. That's a bold statement. He's kind of conflating the work that he and Jay-Z have done with what Colin Kaepernick has done, or at least comparing them. And I don't think that's (laughs) true. But Stephen A. Smith got a lot of blowback for this. It wasn't just from Eric Reed. Right. But Eric Reed's the most prominent member of that chorus of people, like, just criticizing Stephen A. Smith for, quote unquote, tap dancing. Uh, but yeah, it's a great, it's a great beef. But Stephen A. Smith is clearly wrong. Right. Uh, in this beef, uh, Stephen A. Smith is not winning. Yeah, he lost a fight, and then on First Take Monday, he lost a war when Max was the more woke host of the First Taste First Take segment, and it's just. The next day, he was like, I'm a black man. I know what I'm talking. And it's just like, dude, you already lost a battle. You lost a war. Right, and you're making it even worse. And the the best part about when Stephen A. Smith gets in a beef is that he always makes sure to tag first take on it. He's like, I'm going to talk about this on first. Like, how? <laughs> Nobody cares if you talk about them on first take. Like, it, it doesn't affect anyone. I th- I just think it's laughable. And But I will say this. I respect Stephen A. Smith for protecting the bag because that's what this is all about. This is all about him protecting his his gravy train. Like he's not doing what Kaepernick's doing. He's doing the opposite, but it allows him to keep making and making these millions of dollars for saying these ridiculous things. Well, this is why Kaepernick basically sacrificed everything. He did sacrifice his future earnings because being an activist and taking a stand is not profitable. But Stephen A. doesn't think he wants to work. He did a whole workout because he doesn't want to work. Oh, my God. All right. Well, Stephen A. Smith taking the L on that one. Let's move on to some other losers, our worst fans of the week. Before we get into our worst fan of the week, as always, you guys should listen to The Sneak. And here's a little teaser to get you excited for it. 
In 2008, a former D1 football star pulled off a robbery so daring and so strange that it went viral worldwide. It was a perfect crime story. There was just one problem. It wasn't the real story of what happened. The Sneak is a new, serialized true crime podcast from For the Win and USA Today Sports. It comes out November 13th, streaming only on Wondery+. Plus. Subscribe at wondery.com plus. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about the worst fans of the week. So there was a viral video. Actually, it's a viral TikTok from... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> from what I understand. I'm an old person. But it's a, a group of parents at a Little League game in Newport Beach, California, heckling an ump. And uh, I would say probably the worst person in this video. All the parents are pretty terrible because they're yelling at the ump, and he gets tired of it, so he comes out there and he's like, you know, I think rightfully so, telling them to be quiet. And then that one lady in the back is like, are you mad because the kids are taller than you? Yeah, that, I mean, like, a short joke to somebody who's already mad, like, that's just icing on the cake. He did the right thing, walk out. I would have threw the ball at somebody, but he threw it behind him. He he made the, the, the right move. Don't get in trouble for this because... If we would have saw the video of him attacking a parent, right, it would have been like, oh, my God, look at this umpire. Can't take criticism. He's a monster. Can we just say it was a pretty funny joke? <laughs> okay. The delivery wasn't great. I think it could have been delivered more creatively, but it was a funny joke. It was funny, but, like, I felt bad for Duke because everybody was against him. And you could tell, like, he was just like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm going to oh. just go back to calling these kids out well also because i mean newport beach is a relatively well-off area in california so it's a bunch of rich parents right it was was a lot of white people you got to like emphasize emphasize the h when you talk about those kind of people a lot of whites like why are they so worked up about a little league baseball game you probably have like millions of dollars or like a million dollar home just go back and and do whatever you rich people do like eat twigs or i don't know what you guys do they eat avocados. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about hockey. Let's talk about hockey. Uh, let me ask you a question. Is spitting during a game okay? Wait, wait. That's like too vague. If you are in a hockey fight, can you spit on another player? Spitting is so disrespectful. So is punching someone in the face. <laughs> but like if it's a fight in hot, like. Yeah, it's a fight. It's a fight. It's a fight. I really can't say like if it's during a fight, then do it. Like, I, I don't think it's frowned upon. Like, I, I mean, it's frowned upon, but I don't think it's like too over the line. Like, you're punching each other in the face. What's a little spit? I'd rather get spit in the face than punched in the face. For some context to this incident, earlier this week, the Washington Capitals played. Uh, oh, the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> so earlier this week, the Washington Capitals played the Anaheim Ducks. There was a brawl during the tail end of the second period, and the Capitals' Garnet Hathaway got into a fight with an Anaheim Ducks player. And as the refs were like were pushing them apart, the Ducks player punched Hathaway in the face—a sucker punch. He didn't see it coming. And then Hathaway, because he couldn't get close to him, spit at the player. Everybody freaked out, lost their minds said it was the most disrespectful thing that you could possibly do, and the NHL ended up suspending him three games for spitting. 
So, in one week we have a player get hit in the head with a helmet. That's the most disrespectful thing. And hockey's like, no, <laughs> yeah. spitting in somebody's face is the most disrespectful thing. Yeah, like all the quotes were like, this is the most disrespectful thing that you could possibly do to a player. Bonking someone on the head with a helmet is far more disrespectful. Although I'm team Miles Garrett, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I I, the spin's not in. bad, especially the context. Like, they just got in a fight. It's like, that's what you do sometimes after Three a fight. Three games! Wasn't someone licking someone? Brad Marchand, when he was licking players, got no suspensions. Bit on me before you lick on me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Right. But I'd rather somebody Whoa. spit on me <laughs> than lick on me. Like You said before, you didn't even say, like, instead of. <laughs> <laughs> you want it all. Oh, all right. I, I have written about how I think the NHL was completely out of its mind to levy out that suspension because it makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I think we, as a podcast, agree that spitting, not that bad. Licking is terrible, though. <laughs> Licking, I think, is like you got consent issues. He was also out there trying to kiss players. Don't ever lick someone without their consent. <laughs> That's If you take one yeah. thing away from this podcast, it's that. All right, guys. Thanks very much for hanging out with us. We will see you next week.